0: Welcome to TJ Frog's podcast, where I chat about my knitting, Dorset buttons and creativity in general, as well as sharing my love of Scotland, especially the Highlands and Islands. Hello, I'm Tanya, aka TJ Frog, or sometimes called the Button Lady. And in my creative business, I predominantly make and promote the traditional craft of Dorset buttons, which dates back to the early 1600s, a cottage industry that employed many people in Dorset on the south coast of England. Brought up in Dorset, I now live on the Isle of Skye and wherever you may be in the world, welcome and thank you for joining me for my 37th episode, Rewind and Fast Forward. Happy New Year. Hello. I hope that you are all doing well as we move forward into 2023. Thank you so much for all your encouragement and feedback after my short last episode back in May 2022, which followed an unexpected long break from the world of podcasting. And to top it off, the plan for eight more episodes in 2022 sadly didn't happen. I got COVID in the summer of 2022 and I was quite poorly for a couple of weeks and I have struggled with some aspects of my health since which has meant some areas of life and business have suffered as a consequence. Thankfully my health is gradually improving and as I record I probably feel the best I felt in a very long time. Looking forward then I'm taking that mindset that I set out in the May episode about being kind to myself and not being critical of my lack of not doing stuff and instead I'm really taking stock of what I have achieved however small it may be and I know that this resonated with many of you and I enjoyed reading and hearing from you about some of your small wins and how important it is that we all acknowledge these for our mental well-being. I was also delighted to hear how much my creative play days struck a chord and that some of you have decided to add this into your own diaries. For this episode then, I'm taking a rewind, briefly looking back at all those months where I didn't release an episode, as well as a fast forward to the new year that we're now in and what's ahead on the horizon. I'm going to be covering the weather. There's really only one way to describe this over the past few months, soggy sky. Creativity. We'll discover where I got to with various projects and my ventures into using a sewing machine. Dorset buttons and the wider news from the TJ Frog Pad. Not everything went to plan in 2022. Now I'm focused on exciting plans for 2023. The Sky Focus. First of all, the local lowdown, a sky wedding. Across the bridge. We have an interview with Dr. Carly Fertelman, a friend who went on a creative sabbatical. The weather. Just before Christmas, we had the most snow we've ever seen in our little corner of sky. And I have to say, it made a welcome change to what I can only describe as 2022 being the year of soggy sky. Early 2022 started with a wet winter and that just blended into a wet, cold summer. While many parts of the UK were engulfed in a sustained heat wave, we certainly were not having any of that up here. In fact, in early June, we ended up having the log burner on for three nights and one night in July and a couple of nights in August, which is just unheard of. And yet sky With its vast dramatic skies it always delights me even when we crave for a glimpse of sun which seems to have spent little time revealing itself to us in these past few months. 2022 is also the year I've taken the least amount of photos of sunrises and sunsets in the time that we've lived here and it's not because I've just become so used to them and I'm blasé about them. It's an indication of what the weather's been like. (laughs) That's not to say that we haven't had a run of two or three days of good weather here and there. It's just overall, it's been very wet, very grey and at times really quite chilly. And it's been interesting talking to locals, people who've lived here all their lives. They too feel that this summer has been a particularly bad one. Earlier this year, leaving Sky on what was supposed to be a summer's day, we found ourselves venturing out in damp, mist weather with a temperature of 11 degrees Celsius. And we were travelling 100 miles east over to Inverness and we arrived to sunshine and a gorgeous 22 degrees Celsius. And this was a regular occurrence when we were going over to Inverness in the summer. Usually, The West coast of Scotland is wet and warm while the East coast is cold and dry. This year there, it got all confused with the East coast really enjoying some very dry and very warm weather. While over here on the West coast, we were wet and cold. I know wherever you may be across the world, you two are probably also seeing some different weather patterns to what you've historically been used to. Back in episode 35, I was talking about spiders and how I was seeing more of them in our house and I'd convinced myself that we had these false black widows. Whether they were or not I don't know. Oddly enough though the spiders I'm seeing have started to change over time. After these ones we started getting a lot of what I'd call spindly brown house spiders and boy they must have loved our house. There were so many of them. They just (laughs) seemed to always be wherever I was in the house. We sleep up in the eaves, and I woke one morning to see four of them above my head on the sloping roof. I'm not one to scream when I see them. It's just a <gasps> sharp intake of breath and a leap into action to get them out of my space. Now we seem to have moved into a period of these small jet black spiders that move incredibly fast and leave me a, just a little perturbed about how quickly they can dart and flash across the room. Who knows what the next range of spiders will be? Just as last time, there's no pictures in the show notes of spiders. And I must also say that I never kill spiders. I just relocate them, although I'm under no illusions that they probably find their way back in again. Moving out into the garden, last summer we were once again visited by hedgehogs and I find them fascinating to to watch. I understand though that they're not really supposed to be out in daylight unless they're looking for nesting materials or food for young. We do see them a lot at night time and it can be a little precarious because if you're driving down a single track road and you see a hedgehog there isn't really anywhere for you to move to get out of the way so sometimes it's a case of just stopping, sitting a while and waiting for the hedgehog to find its way off the road. We've had a lot of deer visit the garden as well and some of the surrounding fields. They always seem to find something to munch on in our garden. And we have this one really large shrub, an escalonia, that gets a continual restyling from them and it just makes us laugh. It's a very robust shrub. (laughs) It's known for its tolerance of salty air, which is what our garden is subjected to. So it's one that thrives in the conditions we have. But I think it should also come with a note that's very resilient to deer because it doesn't seem to matter what the deer do to it. It seems to bounce back every time. Even the year they ate it right down to the ground, it's still recovered. What I particularly love about deer is how gracefully they move. They seem to dance over fences and they're so swift and light-footed and dainty as they travel over really quite rough, boggy terrain. They just make it look so effortless. And as you walk around our headland and just up the road, you can see their tracks, their sort of well-worn paths that they follow as they move around the landscape. We recently woke to a deer which had found itself a very comfortable spot in our garden. It had nestled itself down in between some of the, the plants in an area that had just recently been strimmed. I know a lot of people might say, why don't you get a deer fence? And some people do have deer fences and I totally understand the benefit of them, particularly if you're growing vegetables and plants that you want to keep. But it's also so wonderful to see them so close up. Despite all the soggy weather I've been telling you about, The seasonal flowers have still continued. They seem to be quite robust against the conditions as well. We've had the beautiful displays of the snowdrops, the daffodils, the bluebells, the flag iris, the foxglove. We go through all these wonderful colours throughout the season. The whites, the yellows, the blues, back to the yellows, the cerise pinks. And I really never tire of seeing those seasonal changes. The bracken, of course, has shot up as it always does. Again, the the weather didn't seem to uh, affect that too much other than I think it did die off earlier. And of course, I'm always pleased when it dies right back. <laughs> This year we had eight bird's nests on our property that that we were aware of. There could well have been more because there was a huge range of birds flying over and in the garden. It was a real joy to spend some time watching the fledglings venture out and find their way in the world. Swallows, starlings, thrushes, wagtails, goldfinch and blackbirds as well as the young buzzard, which was flying over quite often. So that must have been nesting nearby too. I do pinch myself quite often that we found this little corner of sky and we took a leap of faith to make it our home because we are incredibly fortunate to be surrounded by all this wonderful nature. What did pass me by once again this year was my dream of seeing orcas. John Coe and Aquarius are... Male orcas, which are part of what's called the West Coast community, although they've only ever been seen as a pair for about the last six years, and they paid a visit to our sound this summer. Unfortunately, by the time I found out they were in the sound, yeah, it was too late and I had missed them. Finally, I might still be waiting to see an orca, but we did see an otter in the summer, a really special, unexpected encounter. We were walking along the forest track near us and literally round the corner came plodding this otter. And initially, very briefly, I thought it was a dog because that's what we're used to seeing on the forest track. It took a moment for it to clock us as well, but as soon as it did, it just took a 90 degree dart straight into the foliage. We stopped, kept very still, waited. We heard it rustling through the foliage and we could see it heading towards a pool of water. We watched it swim across before it disappeared into the foliage on the other side. A bit more waiting and we fleetingly caught a glance of it again as it was making its way across the ground. It was a very special moment to see the otter so close up. creativity i'm going to dive straight into those four neglected garment projects which i put the names in a hat and drew the order into how i would tackle them i said i would let you know how i got on well up until the end of september i had done nothing maybe it was the irony that the most difficult knits was drawn out first or the fact my knitting enthusiasm like so many of you has had periods of leaving me in recent times I'd taken the Belmont cardigan away with me in June when I met up with some friends and the aim was that I was going to ask them to help me sort out the lace pattern decreases on the armhole and the shoulder which was proving a bit of a stumbling point for me. I never got round to taking it out of the (laughs) bag. What happened then in September to get me going on this cardigan? Shetland Wool Week of course. It seemed appropriate that I take this project with me, the Belmont cardigan designed by Goodwin Johnson in Shetland Wall. I purposely did not take any other project with me, which was quite difficult. It would have been really easy to slip in a project which didn't require much thinking to do. However, I was only in Shetland for a long weekend as I was teaching and I had very little knitting time. I did get the project out a couple of times And I got inspired to work through the problem. I took time to read the stitches on my knitting on the other shoulder and armhole. I went back to the pattern. I took further time to then read the stitches that I'd done so far on the armhole and shoulder that was causing me a problem. And I managed then to translate it across. It just really was about giving it time and focus and, importantly, reading my knitting. soon as I got back from Shetland Wool Week, I was on it. I was all over it. That little lace shoulder hurdle was no longer a problem and was done so quickly. And the two stocking stitch sleeves were completed after that in no time at all. Don't you find it amazing how one small thing can escalate into this really big thing and hamper our progress? And actually When I sat down and worked through it, focused on it, it really wasn't such a stumbling point as I'd made it out to be. Now it has fallen onto another pile which is called the Block Me Project Pile, (laughs) BMPP. I do seem to have a bit of a repeat pattern here with uh, my knitting and projects I'm also making dorset buttons for it as well. I haven't done those yet. The cardigan is still not finished but the knitting is. (laughs) Second on the list is the ILA jacket by Die Gilpin which is made up of various cables. I finally got going on the sleeve after I'd had a few false starts with needle sizes and the best type of needles to use to avoid my arm and wrists hurting. I was making Good progress on the first sleeve, 10 inches of it. I had this nagging feeling about it though. I just wasn't happy with it. I kept trying it on as it got longer and longer. And the problem was, it was a closer fit than I felt it ought to be. But I was reluctant to start all over again, having finally made some good progress with it. So I kept going, thinking, yeah. It's okay that the sleeves are a bit snugger than they should be. I, I can live with that. And then I spotted that the cable on the cuff end of the sleeve was wrong. And it was at this point I began to wonder is this a sign that it's time to frog the sleeve? I went through the thought process of knitting the other sleeve the same way, but actually doing something wrong on purpose is not an easy thing to do. And I felt now that there was this cable error, if I continued with it, I would probably always be thinking the sleeves were just too snug. So there was now two things that were sort of playing with my mind as to whether it was right to carry on. In the end, I decided that I would frog this 10-inch sleeve and start again. However, I decided not to frog it straight away and that what I would do is I would start the other sleeve on the bigger needle size, do the correct cable, and then I would compare and just see whether I was happier with that before I did the frogging. And I can report that I am much happier with it. So that is the way forward. It is a little bit gut-wrenching because this is a slow progress project with all the cables, two sleeves with cables. But as I am a person who's generally all about the process and not needing the jacket for a set time, I know frogging that 10 inches of sleeve is the right thing for me to do, although I've yet to actually do it. And there's a story behind that and I'll come back to that in a minute. At this point then I decided to treat myself and cast on a new project. Hey come on yes I know let's just do another project and add it to the long list. I don't know if any of you've knitted Love Note by Tinkan Knits but I live in mine. It really is my go-to sweater. When I first made it I wasn't sure I would get much wear out of it. I'm not naturally a lover of wearing mohair. I thought it would be too warm. But actually, because it's loose, it's got three quarter length sleeves, I tend to wear a little vest t-shirt under it. I find it a really useful sweater. And while I wouldn't naturally knit the same sweater twice, it is just such a straightforward knit to do. And it's a sweater that can be worn with so many different types of clothing. And with it being knitted up using a 6 millimeter or a US 10 needle, it does knit up fairly quickly. I've done the yoke of the sweater and I'm using some hand-dyed yarn by Claire of Cookston Crafts and some Kid Silk Haze from Rowan. There's a little story to these two projects though. We had a short breakaway abroad early in December and our luggage didn't make it back with us guess what was in the suitcase? Yes, the sleeves of my ILA jacket and the Love note sweater, along with my favourite needle gauge, which I got from Fiberspace in Alexandria, Virginia a few years ago. Fortunately, our luggage finally made its way back to us on Christmas Eve and I was very relieved to be reunited with my knitting, even with that sleeve that's going to get frogged. In the meantime, while waiting to see the fate of my suitcase and whether or not I was ever going to be reunited with the knitting rather than move on to the next garment on the neglected garment project list I went back to the outstanding Debbie Abraham's 2017 mystery blanket. I'm now on the 11th square of the 49 squares and I have to say I've enjoyed having small squares to do with different techniques to focus on. There might also be the very small incentive that just before Christmas, Debbie opened up some more places for the 2023 mystery blanket and I decided to sign up. It arrives on the 1st of February. I can't quite see me finishing the 2017 one before the 2023 arrives, but I'm going to make a good effort at it. For now, though, it's time for me to get back to those garments so I can actually wear them in the cold sky weather. In terms of actual finished knitted projects, I think it amounts to two this year. <laughs> the 2021 Stephen West Mystery Knit, the shawlography, and another shawl called Fairly Knitted in Linen by Linda de Ruta of Tall Yarns. You certainly won't find me doing any New Year's roundup on Instagram of my 2022 finished projects, although I could do a great Instagram roundup of my whips and neglected projects And the new one, the BMPPs, the block me project pile. Yes, I have to own up. Those two shawls, along with my Belmont cardigan, are waiting to be blocked as well. I have made a note in the diary for a blocking day. I just accept very much now that this is how I operate as much as I like the finished item and want to have the finished item, the process is far more important to me. I know that I will get the item finished one day because I am a completer finisher. It just gets done in my own meandering way. In the meantime, I'm content to have something in my hands to do and glad that my knitting mojo is back. While listening back and editing, I realised that I've done myself a disservice. I completed three projects in 2022, and even better, the third one got blocked. I felt I needed to come back and add this in. <laughs> I know, it's a turn up for the books that it got blocked as well. It was the Shetland Wool Week hat. Of going, I really wanted to have the hat. This year, it was the Bonnie Isle hat designed by the patron Linda Shearer. I had limited time to make it, so I wanted to use Shetland Wool in my stash. I use Jameson and Smith jumper weight, and it's in black, greys, and rusty orange. I did the rim a little bit tight, and I'm going to re-block to try and stretch this bit out as it was a little bit uncomfortable. I'm off to learn some new skills in February, as I'm away to have a long weekend adventure with some friends. No doubt this will generate some more whips. We are going to New York to the Vogue Knit Live event and we've all been on a weekly knit zoom call since the pandemic and it will be a great treat to spend time with everybody in person immersed in yarn and learning I'll tell you more in the next episode about the workshops that I've booked myself on if you're going to be there as well please send me a message it would be great to have the chance to say hello to you Talking of new skills this year I finally took up the challenge to get back to learning how to use a sewing machine after bad memories of sewing lessons at school. An opportunity arose to go on a 12-week course to learn how to make a block of your body shape and then design a pattern from it and ultimately make your design. Literally straight in at the deep end. It was a very steep learning curve, a lot of maths involved, which from half six to half nine of an evening, I'm quite tired by that stage. It was a challenge. I have to say, though, I really enjoyed it. I'm very glad that I did it. Unfortunately, I had to miss a couple of sessions. So my sundress didn't quite get finished. It's nearly there, though, and I'm looking forward to completing that at some point this month. I'm certainly not as afraid of using sewing machines as I used to be, although in fairness, I think the technology of them has changed quite a bit since I last used one. Sewing won't take me away from my knitting, although I'm definitely up for making myself clothes in the future. And on to hand sewing, my frog wool tapestry is nearly finished, although it's taken a bit of a back seat since I got back into my knitting in September. I was also going to a monthly stitch group But with one thing and another, I've not been along for much of the second half of uh, 2022. And that's where I used to really focus on this project. So that's another thing to really aim to try and get done in the early part of 2023. I do have lots of new projects waiting in the wings. (laughs) I will leave those and tell you a bit more about those in the next episode. Dorset Buttons and wider news from the TJ Frog Pad. It's been a very mixed year between online and in-person events, from workshops for yarn shops, private groups, retreat groups visiting Sky and at yarn festivals. The Virtual Knit Vogue lecture was very well received and I got some incredible feedback and I'd like to thank any of you who Attended and sent in such lovely comments. I think virtual teaching and events are one of those positives to have come out of all the sadness of COVID, and it really has created new opportunities for businesses like mine, as well as enabling more people to get involved in events which may otherwise have been closed off to them. This is a focus for me in 2023, so do keep an eye out for some TJ Frog virtual events. Unfortunately, I didn't get to Bannock Yarn in Stirlingshire or the Summer Wool Festival in Bedfordshire as Covid had other ideas. It was a real blow to lose these two main shows of the year, although I was fortunate to get back to Glasgow School of Yarn at the end of October. And this was certainly a highlight of the year for me, even if I did struggle with my energy throughout the weekend. I was massively supported, though, at the show by my friend Rona, who is a complete natural at everything to do with exhibiting, including organising me. Huge thanks to Rona, who I know listens in. And of course, I've already mentioned I got to go to Shetland Wool Week, albeit just for a long weekend. I got to teach Dorset Buttons again, which is such a privilege to be able to do that in Shetland. I love teaching there and passing on the skills to show people how they can use Shetland Wool in Dorset Buttons to add to their projects. While it was scaled back from recent years, from what I saw, it was nonetheless a fantastic event and I'm sure it will continue to grow in future years. Fast forward then, I've taken the difficult decision to close my online shop until the 27th of January. This is in the best interests of moving my business forward in 2023. I have my book to get off to the printers. I've got workshops and events to prepare. I've got new products to design. I've got shows to get ready for. And I've got a new business strand to get ready to launch, as well as doing some product streamlining. And most important of all, I need to factor in some rest time before the year ahead really kicks off. As I said, I'm feeling the best that I have for quite a few months now, but I want to make sure that that gets embedded in me and that I don't slip back to where I was. Please do sign up to the newsletter updates on the website if you'd like to be kept informed as to what's going on during the month of January. If you'd like to catch up with me in person in 2023 I'm very excited to tell you that I have three shows that I'm currently vending at and they're all shows that are new to me. So the first one is the Yorkshire Yarn Festival and that takes place on the 4th and 5th of March at Sunburn Hall on the outskirts of York. This will be swiftly followed by Wonderwall Wales on the 22nd and 23rd of April at the Royal Welsh Showground at Blueth Wells And finally, later in the year, you'll find me at the Southern Wool Show on the 2nd and 3rd of September at the Newbury Race Ground. So three shows distributed well around the UK. I hope that you will be able to make it along to one of these. And if you do, please pop by the sand and say hello. It's always lovely to meet people who listen in to the podcast. The Dorset Button 2022 project celebrating 400 years of the Dorset Button saw several different events take place across the UK and around the world and a number of us running Dorset Button businesses continue with our work to keep this heritage craft alive for many more years to come. For me it's fantastic to see just how many more people are making Dorset Buttons in the time that I've been running TJ Frog finally then, I want to say a heartfelt thanks to all of you for your continued support for everything I do within the TJ Frog business. It really does mean a lot. Onto the Sky Focus. A bit of a feel-good story here. Do you know just how popular proposals, elopements and weddings are on Sky, with couples having photographs taken in the dramatic landscape Although you need to be prepared to potentially get your dress a little bit wet and muddy and it might be a good idea to bring you wellies. Earlier this year a couple arrived on Sky for their elopement but sadly their luggage didn't. Their journey from Florida did not go to plan with diverse delays and time spent in airports. They arrived on Sky late the night before their wedding without their wedding attire. Rosie... Of Love Sky Photography, who was due to be their wedding photographer, put out a Facebook plea asking Sky Folk for help in providing wedding outfits. Amazingly, a dress and a kilt and other accessories were provided by people on Sky, and the wedding was able to go ahead as planned the following day. There's a link in the show notes to a blog post that Rosie's done about it and you can see all the beautiful photos in the sky landscape as well as a short video clip of the couple, Amanda and Paul, speaking about their experience. Across the bridge. Okay, so I'm rewinding now back to September 2021 when I went to a friend's exhibition at her house in London. Listen in to hear about Carly's creative sabbatical. You are dressed here pretty much head to foot in purple and I've come here today to your exhibition so let's take that as a a starting point Mm -hmm. tell us the content of your exhibition how it came about and the story behind it okay um so I went to
1: India on a sabbatical from uh the first of November 2019 and I returned on St David's Day which is the 1st of March 2020 and so I had four months in India uh, mostly by myself my kids came out for a bit and a friend came at the beginning and I spent most of the day making things and I bought a domain site uh, that I wanted to write a blog on called how time goes faster as you get older Actually, that's not true, but it does feel like that as you get older. Time sort of whizzes past. And I wanted to explore that in as many different themes as possible. And so I had managed to find 133 different crafts. So the 133 came about because I like prime numbers, and 133 is seven times 19. And so I had all these different things cake making and lace making and Oh, I didn't know all sorts of things. Moulding with plasticine, all sorts of things I could think of. And I got to 133. But I'm a bit out of control to the person. So I would contain myself (laughs) by looking at spirals, prime numbers and purple. And the purple was because a friend of mine had said... I'm going to make you something. What colour would you like it? She said purple. And I thought, right, okay, this is as good a reason as any. So because of this woman, everything was purple, which is why I'm wearing purple. And outside my house, there's purple bunting and purple (laughs) balloons. Um, But actually, it was really containing because it meant every time I was in India, and I went to a craft shop. I would just buy everything purple, purple paints. I had... Um, purple yarns purple stickers purple key rings anything purple I would often buy and so it would mean that I could then use what I've got to then sort of explore and to make and um, I made lots of things I sent four big boxes back I shipped them back over the course of the four months Uh, many of them were on paper I've called them montages and they're usually in series um, usually a three or five um, along a theme and mostly got but mostly of purple. So there may be things that are encased. Uh, there are lots of mobiles. I did learn some new skills. So I learned how to make dream captures that I have not made before. Most of the other crafts I did, I'd done before, but I was doing them in a new way and displaying them in a new context. And it was a great way to meet people as well because people in these homestays would come up to me and say well, what are you doing why are you doing it and sort of and a, and a lot of them actually would give me ideas so I met a couple in Goa Um, he was a musician he his children made quite a lot of um sort of spiral wave toys um, and made music using um waves and so I, I sort of explored things because people would come to me on other occasions people would find um sort of seed pods or sort of the, the yeah seed pods from trees that were spiral and so therefore i could use them in some of what i made and then i also did quite a lot with purple food so on another place i was staying in a camel conservation and uh, they made halva one night out of carrots and that was lovely but it was orange and um so i then suggested and we then together made beetroot halva so that was a different dessert and 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 in return also i made them borscht which is a sort of eastern european dish a sort of a heavy dish with um uh, made from beetroots like a type of soup with a bit of vinegar in it and interestingly here in the uk you put cream in it but Obviously, in this camel conservation place, we used camel cream uh, in it to to lighten it a bit. So that was really quite fun. So those, so those are the sort of thing. I made all sorts of different things. I stayed in 19 places, um, stayed for quite a long time. And I would eat breakfast with people and lunch and dinner. But during the day, I did my own thing and didn't do that much sightseeing. I've been to India before. But it's a great place. India is sort of an assault on your senses. And so it really played into me trying to be as creative as possible and also just to leave my work behind and do something completely different from what my na- my day job was. So that was another reason. So I suppose I've been back um a year and a half i did actually want to have an exhibition last summer but uh, covid and the thought of having timed entry tickets was just all too much so i decided i'd keep it for another year and i'm having a four-day exhibition at my house and lots of people have helped me with how to display it um how to how much stuff to put up because i did make a lot of stuff i'm very energetic and I've, i'm a bit over the top so there's a lot of things that i wanted to show people and so various friends and family have come around to help put it up and actually also to show the best way to display it what I've also done is that I don't actually want to keep it so I've asked people to put green dots on it and then I will give them the pieces at the end I don't want money for for it I don't want money for charity I just want to share what I've made and actually in some ways offload it because I feel a bit overwhelmed by how much I've made and I find it I'm not very good with loads of stuff So it's quite nice. And I think the other thing that's been really important for me is for years I've been knitting and sewing and making lavender bags and, I don't know, all sorts of things. Candles, bath bombs, (laughs) soaps and I give them to people. I do it with love and affection. So if I knit something for somebody, when I'm knitting it for them, I'm thinking about them and I'm pouring my love in it. But I'm also making the assumption that they actually like what I make them. And I think that's an assumption. And what I like about what I'm doing now is that people are choosing what they want. And its Mm -hmm. I would never in a million years, seeing we're halfway through it now, seeing what people have chosen, it's fascinating because I would have never been able to predict (laughs) what people like and who likes what. So that's been really fun. So that's been
0: exciting. Do you know what I might have my eye on? What do you have your eye on? (laughs) Well, I have to say I'm here on the fourth day. Third day. Third day, yes, and there's some green stickers that, uh, if I'd have been here a little bit earlier, (laughs) might have had my green sticker on, but at the moment, yeah, I've got my eye on two or three things, but I'm really taken by the purple cars
1: the purple cars i'm afraid are my children will like them which i think is interesting because mostly your children don't like the things you make and think they're really naff and embarrassing and why is my mother pretending to be an artist when really <laughs> actually she's a doctor and she's just can being a doctor and work as a pediatrician so the purple car started because i went into a shop um, and guess what they had these little purple matchbox match box cars and so what i decided to do is um I wanted to imprison them and provide an escape route. So I had these little matchbox cars and I put them inside the middle of an A4 piece of card. Um, so they, they were quite small within that. And then I um, sewed with various different, fab, mostly yarns, uh, an escape route so that these cars um, could pretend that they were in some sort of maze and that they could escape. And that was all couched. So this was um, yarn that I laid on top and then I couched it with smaller stitches to keep it in the right place. And... Um, and I'm sort of delighted that my children want them. So I'm afraid, Tony, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> They're not for you to have. But, um, but the, the thing that was interesting is that the reason I sort of imprisoned them is that I'd actually done that with um, another set of a photo, of postcards, actually, I bought when my daughter was out in Goa. Various gods and camels and elephants, actually. And I'd imprisoned, th- I'd cut the, the, cut the postcard out Then I'd sewn them on with lots of um, different yarns that I'd bought out from the UK because I knew that yarn from the UK was what I wanted to work with. Um, All the yarn I bought in India was all made in China and acrylic. Fun, but wasn't what I wanted to do for this fine work. And one of the people there um, complimented me on that particular item. So I then did lots more imprisoning. Mm. I imprisoned quite a lot of um, uh, plant material that dried or um, balloons or all sorts of things I imprisoned and I liked that idea so these cars were imprisoned too. The other thing that's quite funny is a few of the, the escape routes for those cars are made from what I thought was uh, like a type of fleece or like a cotton that was used for spinning because I was in Ahmedabad which is the capital of Gujarat where Gandhi was and Gandhi used to go around with his spinning wheel and anywhere he would stop he'd, he'd be spinning his cotton so I bought what I thought were really cheap. They were like 1p for a whole packet. So I bought loads of these and dyed them. And I thought they were for spinning. But actually, no, they were just for candle wicks. So I got that like, completely wrong. So my story in my head was completely wrong. blown out the water. Blown out the water because there was no spinning by Gandhi. It was, it was literally candle wicks for, can- for candles.
0: Um, I love all the spirograph sort of inspired pieces as well tell us about that because spirograph takes me back to my childhood i know and i think lots of people really like spirograph so
1: so one of the things because i wanted to have this logo this i had a sort of session about having a logo that was going to be unique to my how time goes faster as you get old and it had to be purple it was going to be one which at the time i thought was this prime number let me tell you one is not a prime number my son who's a mathematician told me that it's a bit upset really but anyway <laughs> so I was gonna have one um purple sort of spiral inspired shape to go with my my blog theme and I decided that with with this logo idea I would try different things and I I was always quite clear I couldn't draw and in fact there's some things on the exhibition which prove unashamedly unequivocally <laughs> I can't draw so I took my spirograph machine with me or it's bits of plastic isn't it I'm hardly a machine to, to to get my creative juices going but also because there were lots of spirals you can't see this on the podcast but I'm busy drawing spirals with my hands around <laughs> <Ran, ran, laughs> around 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 and it was light and it was easy and it it got me going and what I then did is I chose my favorite five spirograph designs and then commissioned someone to make some um, block printing stamps
0: mm, yes I saw um, those yeah. And
1: they weren't actually particularly well made and they didn't really—they didn't work particularly well. They weren't really as flat as they should have been. But, you know, I'm a bit of a, a novice for commissioning them. That was the beginning. That was the spiral graph was the idea was the logo. But then actually, I then realised I didn't want to have one logo. And I did lots. I did logos online with a pen on my iPad. I painted logos. And then I did quite a lot of logos on the beach, which I knew would wash away. I quite like the idea.
0: At this point... Lots more visitors arrived to the house to see the exhibition and our plans to finish off the interview later never happened. Until that is, fast forward to June 2022 when we spent the weekend together along with some other friends and I had a brief catch up with Carly where we reflected on her creative sabbatical experience. It's been nine months since we chatted at your exhibition. <laughs> And over two years now, since you've come back from your sabbatical and your journey through India with your crafting, what impact has that journey and the subsequent exhibition had on your creativity? So um, it's
1: lovely to meet again. And uh, thank you for asking me to sort of carry on this interview uh, with a bit of an interval. I can reflect back on my time in India as something that's really positive and really It made me feel very good about myself, you know, being an older woman going away by myself and managing to do that and and producing all this stuff was good. And, of course, you can't really exist nowadays without sort of pre- and post-Covid. And so, for me, it was very much a really wonderful free time before Covid. And the exhibition was late because of Covid, but I really enjoyed the number of people that came, all the positivity. And I gave away a lot of the things that I made, and that's always been an important thing for me. I've always made things for people, that they have to like. Well, they say they like it. And this way, people chose... What was really amazing was that people chose things that I never would have thought they would have chosen. They chose what they obviously spoke to them, and I couldn't have guessed that at all. So uh, that was really helpful um, and a really good way to go. Since then, I've um, put some things from my exhibition into uh, commercial exhibition spaces. That's really exciting. That's not something I've ever done before. And um, I've also been away and done new crafts, and um, I've done some paper cuts, I've done some organza sewing. So I've learnt new things and I've experimented. And in some ways, the problem with the purple spiral prime number obsession is that you end up getting, you can put yourself in that box, but also other people can start putting you in that box and they... (laughs) And so everything's about <laughs> prime numbers. It's like, no, I mean, it's fine. I can manage with other even numbers other than two. And uh, and so, so I, I am able to, to manage. And I think the other thing that I've done in terms of creativity is that I've completely decorated my brother's room in his basement, in his house where I've stayed, which just had plain walls. And that was all red. And I felt really empowered just to go out and go to pound shop and buy lots of red things. And with my glue gun, I just made loads of pictures and I... Put some uh, soft furnishings together and I crocheted a rug for him out of all my stash. That's what was good. So I was A, able to do other colours. B, I was able to make something for somebody else that they've really enjoyed. And that's been really good. I've done a lot more writing and I think writing is always a really good way to express your creativity. And I think I'm now looking about the next stage of my life. I'm thinking about uh, semi-retiring or reducing down my hours in my day job for the NHS at UCL and letting other people have a bite of the cherry. But also it means that I can really open up my creativity. And particularly now that I've sort of gone a bit more down the commercial route, that actually that's something that people might want to buy or they might want to commission me to make. And that's been really exciting.
0: Thank you. So out of all those, I think it was 133 different crafts, and I'm not sure there was a Dorset Button in there, was there? I think there might not have been a Dorset Button, and that's silly, because
1: I could easily have done that, but no, you're right, Dorset Button Then that would
0: have made 134. That would have been no good. That would have been (laughs) no good. The numbers wouldn't have worked. So out of those 133, are there any that you weren't doing before that you subsequently carried on with or was it just really about exploring lots of different things at the time
1: I think I mean of the things that I hadn't hadn't done before I'd never made stencils and I'd never made dream catchers and I haven't actually made any stencils or dream (laughs) catchers since I've been home so I did quite a lot of imprisoning and that's not something I'd ever done before and I don't think it comes under a craft or one of my 133, but sort of sticking and gluing and crafting in, in, on paper, something I've done a lot more of since and particularly I enjoyed the imprisoning using um, uh, different colour threads to keep something in place and I've really enjoyed using needle and thread stitching to keep things in place and that's not something I've done before and I've done quite a lot of and doing actually a piece here, once I'm with you at the moment, um, which is again imprisoning various things. Maybe imprisoning is the wrong word. It's sort of um, Incapt-
0: Capturing? Yeah, um, capturing,
1: encapsulating. In- yeah,
0: encapsulating, it's enclosing, enclosing. Yes, yeah.
1: I think it's just that was the term I used in India, and I've carried on. Um, but I think imprisoning is probably not the right word. But it's 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 ma- it's keeping a item within a certain place on top of another uh, flat item, like so like a piece of card. And I think that's been something that I've really enjoyed doing and has been fun to exp- explore my stitchery like that. So mm. that, that's been something, rather than just gluing or sticking, using uh, sewing to be able to do that. So I've done a lot more sewing in the last year or so. Um, the 133 came about because it was nine time, 19 times 7. Um, I only did 89, but that, that was fine. Um, uh, and I may well go on to, find it, to finishing all those other ones off. But it was really about having... a a motivation and a goal to sort of to look at and probably one of the best things I did was I had bread making and cake making as two separate ones and with Minakshi in my last place we made a banana bread that I um, iced with purple icing and so that would that counted as two as one which I think is probably cheating (laughs) and it's not particularly crafty but we made banana bread and it was delicious
0: What do you feel you learnt about this journey you went on, both the the physical journey of being in India and the subsequent journey from the creativity that you've done? So I
1: think what I learnt is that I love India, I've always loved India and I continue to love India and the people were just amazing and being an older woman by yourself, it didn't really matter and I felt very supported and very comfortable And I think also empowered to go off on journeys by myself because you'll find people. I did make sure that it worked for me, that I was in homestays, which often people eat their breakfast, their lunch and their dinner together. And therefore, and then everybody else goes off for the day doing their sightseeing and I'd be doing my crafting. So I, I think I feel much more able to know how I want to go on holidays and what I want to do. And in terms of, you know, the whole creativity, I think... I've been in a job all my life, I'm a doctor, I'm a paediatrician, I work for University College London and this was a complete break from this and yet I was able to be fulfilled and I was excited and ambitious in a way that... I haven't been for a long time. And I think, you know, when you work within a large, particularly state sec- sector organisations, you can make some changes, but eventually you run out of steam. And this has taught me to be as creative as I, I want to be, not to be defined by what other people think I should or shouldn't do, that people will like what you do, uh, partly because they may be like you, but more because they like what you're making and, and letting people choose things really help that. So I think it, it, for me, it was about don't, what I learned about myself is don't define myself just as a paediatrician or as a uh, a, a, somebody who teaches at a university but I can be creative and of course I'm still those things as well but it gave me the freedom to be super creative and to make art and I think I think a lot of us can get a bit fixated on what's the difference between art and craft and you know if you can't paint you're not an artist and I, I just think that doesn't really hold true anymore. You you make what what speaks to you and I find certainly both then and now I'm better within boundaries. So I set myself boundaries. So my latest uh the latest thing I made was paper cuts. I've never made paper cuts. I had a scalpel I could wield about the place and um make lovely fern inspired paper cuts and I chose ferns because you don't have ferns in India. I chose ferns because they they're they've got really interesting number sequences. And I could then um, make these fern cuttings and, and, and do with them what I wanted. I actually decided that I wanted to burn one of them because I wanted to sort of mark that something had ended and I wanted to, and I left another one in the forest to see how that would degrade over time and one I brought back with me. And so all of these things helped me to be artistic and creative, but the boundaries really helped me to be able to fulfill the fulfill the brief now that sounds a bit like I'm a, I'm a lawyer <laughs> barrister. But it, it helps me fulfill the need in myself to create things and being within boundaries is, is really great and I think that's been an important lesson of everything about me that actually as humans it's it is all about our relationships with other people but being within boundaries helps me in the end be more creative than
0: I would otherwise be right okay Yeah, so when you said there about the brief, sort of almost going back to your workplace scenario, but yeah, you gave yourself boundaries, but those boundaries still gave you, they gave you a theme, didn't they? Mm. To work within. There was no boundaries for that theme, ultimately, because there's so much within all of those things that you, um... you picked. And I think, I think
1: for me, it's sort of become a bit of a mantra, um, that the boundaries and, and, and certainly I find it's really helpful in my professional life, but very much in my personal life and, and making sure the boundaries are, are pretty rigid and clear without being fixed because that doesn't work either.
0: Yeah. And just thinking when you say about boundaries, going back to your three, three criteria, your purple, your spirals and your prime numbers, even when you did your exhibition. And you set your display up in your house on your walls where you had done themed pieces on card, whether it be um, uh, fibre on card or um, ink markings on card or uh, whatever else it was you did on card when you displayed them. And, and had done them on the wall tell us how you put them together <laughs> so um yeah so I, i'm in a rental which is
1: beautiful and has white walls and so i actually um pegged them all together and they were either in groups of three groups of five <laughs> groups of seven just because actually again it's just easier to choose rather than deciding should it be four or six well it's obviously got to be a prime number and all the pieces <laughs> i would made were within prime number and it just uh it just worked and uh there were quite a lot of single pieces and as my son keeps telling me one is not a prime number but anyway so there were some single pieces which means that they defy the prime number but it was just fun and and everyone knew that that was the case a lot of people said to me why prime numbers why spirals why purple and purple was a color a friend had asked me to make something the year before and therefore that was that was one thing i could stick to Prime Numbers, I sort of feel sorry for Prime Numbers. I think they're the underdog, and so there's something quite nice about looking after the underdog. And Spirals, for me, was a physical interpretation of the domain name I bought, which is why time goes faster as you get older. That was the number of my blog. And actually, time doesn't go faster as you get older. It appears to, because you know days seem to go faster as you get older because you've lived more days. Uh, but they only go faster, actually, if you move to a different planet. So I'm staying on planet Earth. So <laughs> actually, that's not entirely true. But a spiral was a, a was a physical a way of me expressing that idea.
0: You mentioned your blog then, and that's still there. So I'll put that in the show notes and people can actually go and, and have a look at that and see all your various different uh, crafting uh while you were in India what next then for yourself with your creativity and and future so I want to
1: carry on being creative and I'm still um, obviously doing all my normal crafts but which is knitting I
0: must which is knitting predominantly knitting knitting, and uh, (laughs)
1: that's how Tanya and I met Uh, I plan to oh sorry I've written a whole load of short stories Carly does stories as sort of essentially humorous ways by taking the mickey out of me to sort of to have a sort of serious a serious message and that sort of helped me get through uh the period after my divorce I've now written um 32 I know that's not a prime number but I'll be writing more (laughs) uh, and I've started turning them into podcasts and they'll be on my website which is linked to my blog so I think you were going to put the website as well as the blog yes in your show notes so um i'd love to have some feedback from um, from any of you uh, what you think of my stories and what you think of my my blog i've also got on my website some creative things i've done more recently mostly on the spiral thing
0: okay so the podcasts are actually there or they're going to be there
1: they're going to be on my website right. there's three bits of my website there's my serious academic stuff there's there's my Dr. Carly, which is my business uh, for new parents. And then there's my, all my creative uh, bits and pieces, which includes my blog, all my recent pictures and uh, work, as well as my podcast, which will be uploaded hopefully fairly soon.
0: Brilliant. Thank you so much for uh, sharing this journey with us.
1: No, thank you very much for asking me. I, uh, I love talking about it. It's fabulous. Thank you. Thanks. Brilliant.
0: What a fantastic experience Carly had, quite an adventure to go off and do something like this in another country with a very specific creativity focus. While we might not all be in a position to do a sabbatical in quite the way Carly did, I think the whole concept of what she set out to do is something that we can emulate. As we heard, exploring creativity by setting boundaries and themes can in one sense lead to quite an obsession Although, as happened to Carly, it can actually end up extending creativity, as we heard about the different tools and resources that Carly used and the types of crafts that she explored. There seemed to be this dance going on between the limitations of themes and boundaries, yet pushing the boundaries and being presented with the sheer amount of learning and development and growth as a craftswoman that occurred through this process. I also loved the many continual references to Carly's themes, prime numbers, spirals and purple, and not just what she actually made with her hand. There were purple balloons outside her house promoting the exhibition. To the purple outfit she wore at the exhibition, the way the items were displayed with the numbers, and we didn't even get on to mention the purple food at her house. While I didn't get the purple cars stitched to card, I did get some lovely purple mementos. I got a picture of a tuk-tuk on card that had been enclosed with stitching and it has different purple tapes which are mounted down the side. And I chose this purely to remind me of my own visit to India back in 2018. And I got two pieces of card, each with a ring sewn on into the centre of the card. And then in the middle of the ring there is yarn, purple yarn of course, and there's purple stamping around the outside. I've been thinking more and more about how I could take some of the concept of what carly did and maybe even introduce it into one of my creative play days because i know we're all naturally drawn to certain crafts and certain colors and i think it might be quite a good idea to give myself a, a time limit be be open to wider crafts and resources set some parameters to work within and just see where it takes me certainly something i'm going to ponder on and if any of you set yourself a similar challenge like this and i'd love to know how you get on There's some photos in the show notes that I took at the exhibition and there's also links to Carly's blog, How Time Goes Faster As You Get Older, which has got all the blog posts from her trip and there's also a link to her website Caroline Fertelman where you'll find out more about Carly's work as a paediatrician and author and her creative work. I noticed the stories due to be released as podcasts are not yet on her website. Having heard two of them, which are based around life scenarios, and Carly delivered them herself with all her heart, soul and vibrant personality poured into them. I think when these are released out into the world, we're in for a real treat. As Carly says, time really does feel like it goes faster as we get older and I'm not quite sure where 2022 went to. That is my rewind and fast forward catch up complete, and I'd love to thank you all for joining me once again. As usual, there are show notes on the TJ Frog website to accompany the audio, and do look out for the next episode, which is going to be released on the 27th of January, the same day that the TJ Frog shop will reopen. I certainly intend to make the very best I can of 2023, and I hope that 2023 brings all that you wish for happy new year in the meantime if you'd like to get in touch either drop me a line at tanya at tjfrog.co.uk or via the contact page on the website or on facebook and instagram as TJFrogSky, sky twitter as TJFrogMakes, makes and ravelry as tjfrog the music's by ron Paynton and is licensed from melody loops and called one frog for a prince bye for now till next time